the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time now for Making Money Sense, live with Larry Rosenthal. Larry is recognized as one of the nation's leading financial and retirement planners and is here to answer your questions right now. Author, speaker, and talk show host Larry Rosenthal is dedicated to teaching others financial stewardship from a biblical point of view. Call Larry now. Studio lines are open at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Making Money Sense is on the air. Welcome to the Larry Rosenthal Show, Making Money Sense. Here's our financial and retirement expert once again. Hey, Larry. Good morning, Chris, and how are you today? I'm doing fairly well. What's going on in your world? Well, you know, uh, well, first of all, happy, uh, I don't know how to say it, happy leap year day? Is that right? (laughs) Is that how we would add this extra day? I guess it is, yeah. Uh, Yeah, We've got an extra day. So what are we going to do with it? We We do, I don't know, man. Maybe take a nap, right? (laughs) (laughs) We just can't this day off. Everybody take that day off. It's an extra. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, you know, we got a lot to talk about today, Chris, and a lot of callers also. So uh, let's get this thing rolling. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to uh, Making Money Sense. I'm Larry Rosenthal, your host here. Live call-in, biblically-based financial planning talk show. It's Saturday. I love Saturday shows because it's open mic Saturday. Any subject matter at all, give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. I'd like to continue to welcome our listeners at WAVA in the D.C., Baltimore area, as well as our our listeners around the country, border-to-border and coast-to-coast, as you like to say, Chris, on Sirius XM Family Talk 131. So getting back to your question there, Chris, about, you know, hey, how's the week? What's going on? You know, uh, what specific questions might you have? Oh, boy. You know, it's uh, it's a can of worms. I mean, people have really been concerned about the coronavirus. Even the Fed, I understand, is getting a little concerned about that and how we're going to handle it. What's your take? Absolutely. You know, it's it's a it's a very unfortunate situation for sure. And the reason that the markets have been, you know, on heightened alert and, and been, you know, really pushed down a lot over the last several several trading sessions is because of the fear of corporate earnings slowing down. You know, the, the manufacturing uh, hub, basically, if, if you would call it that, um, you know, has been stricken with the virus and it's slowing down supply chains and people are afraid it's going to hit corporate earnings as, as well as the human ele- element of it all around the globe. And that has the markets, you know, reeling. Uh, the Fed jumped in late yesterday afternoon and basically said, you know, look, we're here. We're, we're looking at, at the possibility of a rate cut now in March, which we all thought would happen anyway as a result of all of this. So with a rate cut, you know, 
pending pretty much is what it looks like right now, that that's going to help stimulate the markets. It's going to reduce the cost of capital and, and you know, put more grease in the economy to, to pick things up again. At the end of the day, though, the question has to be what type of uh, portfolio do you have? What does the construction, the makeup of your investments look like right now? You know, it's all fun and games when, when the markets are going way, way up, Chris, and, and, you're, and you're, you're, you know, you're feeling good about your investments. But when the market comes back down like this, uh, again, for a very unfortunate situation right now, but when the markets do come back down again, you know, you take a look at the S&P, it's down, you know, 8% roughly over the course of this year, of over 2020. Are your investments down more than that or less than that? Mm-hmm. You know, so I would submit to you this, that if your investments are down, you know, 3 or 4 or 5%, you probably have a pretty good construction makeup inside your portfolio. You're able to withdraw, withstand some of this. The question is, you know, when the markets do come back, how will they come back? Will they come back in, in a way that's sort of like a V-shaped type of a recovery? Or are they going to build over time, you know, maybe several months? The the problem that, that a lot of people have in situations like this, when there's a, a circumstance like this, <clears throat> you know, sitting on top of a, of a strong economy, you know, the Fed yesterday again pointed out the economy is very strong and in good position, except for what's happening right now uh, with the virus concerns. That people don't get back into the market until it's too late, till the market comes back, comes back the majority of the way, and then they've sold out towards the bottom. Not saying this is necessarily the bottom at all, but you know, it's times like these when the strength of your portfolio really comes to light. Do you have the ballast inside your holdings to 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 weather this type of a storm? And and that's what it is. You know, in in light of this, we've had a, we've had just a, a lot of people asking about you know actually a lot of people contacting us, you know, not necessarily clients, but saying, hey, you know, what do we do? What, what, what's going on with, with all that? And, and so I, I want to just throw this out there. If, if you want to get an analysis on, on or, an ex, or I guess I would say an exam on how your investments are holding up to all of this, go to my website, LarryRosenthal.com, and send us off an email. We'd be happy to, to show you how to go about analyzing your investments to see, you know, if, if they're in a, in a good position of strength today, given what, what's happening right now. Because what you don't want to end up doing is leading the markets down uh, to, to – to you know, because this is going to take a lot longer to to come back up. So that's one of the things that we would offer as far as all that goes, you know. And and again, the economy is very strong per what the Fed said, and you know they are looking at a at a rate cut you know, next month. So uh, to it help kind of brings to my mind, and I think it's on the question that's on a lot of people's minds is how do you react in stressful situations like this? And I think I may be reading your mind and saying that it's probably one of those dollar cost averaging things, right? The same amount of money, regardless, into that investment. So how do I react as an advisor or how do investors react? Well, how would, what would you advise investors to do at this point? Well, I, I would advise them to sort of just hold tight right now. I, I, I wouldn't uh, jump into the selling because, you know, it's easy to sell out. The hardest part is selling back in. Yeah, I, I'm sorry, yeah, yeah. buying back in. The hardest part is buying back in. Think about this. You go in and you sell out now, and the market drops You know, maybe another, another handful of days or weeks or so or something like that. When do you get back in? You're not going to get back in until you feel comfortable again. And when are you going to feel comfortable? When the market gets higher than where you sold out, and then you've booked your loss. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, so that's a very difficult thing to, one, call the bottom to get back in, and two, get back in when it still doesn't look all that good. 
right? Or could you consider it an opportunity to you know consider put more money in at this point so that you could come out a little bit on top down the end? The so end. in this type of a market, when the market is doing you know violent swings, you know up and back several hundred points, a thousand points day in and day out, even though it's closing down further and further each day, buying on these dips is a good thing. Mm-hmm. You know, taking putting in a little bit now, waiting a couple of days, seeing what happens, maybe putting in a little bit more, waiting a few days to see what happens. I wouldn't put it all in right now. Uh, we, we need to get some light at the end of the tunnel, sort of see, so that we can see an end of all of this. Mm-hmm. And and um, there's all kinds, you know, I, I can't I can't anticipate, you know, I, I don't know. I'm not a doctor. I don't know what, what's going on. All I hear is what everybody else hears in the news. But, you know, my, my point is this, is that your your investment portfolio should be in set up in such a way that hopefully, anyway, you're not participating in 100% of this downside uh, drift a little bit. You know, you take a look at the portfolio makeup, you know, something called beta, Beta measures the risk of your investments. You know, maybe you have 10 or 12 different investments inside your portfolio. The market, meaning the stock market, the S&P 500, has a beta of 1.00. If yours is like 0.8, it means you're 20% less risky than the market. And there's a way you can check. You can you can tell that. You can type your investments into Morningstar or Zephyr or something like that, software packages, and it'll tell you what your risk levels are. And and then it'll prove it all out, you know, when when you're sitting down looking at your investments when it, when it comes to all that, because the 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 part of getting out and then getting back in is the is the tough end of of it all, Chris. To answer your question, that doesn't mean you shouldn't sell out. You just need to have a, a buy and a sell discipline approach, a systematic approach that's non-emotional to to doing it. Yeah, well, I'm into that. Uh, if the interest rates do drop, that's going to infuse quite a bit of money. More money into the economy, I would think people would take advantage of that with a lower interest rate, especially on the refinances for houses and such. Absolutely. It gets the, the velocity of money moving again. You know, yeah. but all of this is, is, is aimed at you know, the, the, four, the, the first quarter earnings uh, in, in April, May, and June of this year when we're reporting the first quarter earnings of January, February, March. You know, um, they're not going to look good. And and that's going to be the issue right there is is what's the the status of the illness at that particular point if it's past us um, then maybe the, the everybody will get a pass on corporate earnings for the first quarter if not you know this this could continue so that's why it's important to know when you've had enough and know when to get back in and understand if your investments are, are holding up right now, yeah, they might be down a little bit, but if they're not down an over-exaggerated amount, that means the construction, the makeup inside your investments are actually have a lot of integrity to them and they're doing well. And and uh, so in that case, you may want to just sit tight. Well, amen to that. Well, you're listening to Making Money Sense, the Larry Rosenthal Show. I think it's about time we uh, took a quick break. Larry, what do you say? Absolutely. Uh, you can go ahead and give us a ring this morning at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. You're listening to Making Money Sense. I'm Larry Rosenthal. We'll be back in a moment. You are listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment.
Here's a quick tip for you. Remember, it's time in the market, not necessarily timing. Stay away from lots of buy-sell transactions. Find quality, buy it and hold it until the quality goes away or your investment objectives change. It's time in the market, not necessarily timing. If you'd like more information on proper investing, then go visit my website at LarryRosenthal.com or simply give us a call at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. That's 855-767-3123. Now nationwide and coast to coast from sea to shining sea, call now, 855-767-3123. That's 855-ROSE-123. Live from the nation's capital, this is the Larry Rosenthal Show. Yep, you are listening to the Larry Rosenthal Show with our financial and retirement expert here in studio, Larry Rosenthal. I know just the other day uh, you had a seminar. How did that go? I did, Chris. We had a uh, retirement dinner planning seminar over in um, Ellicott City, uh, over, over near Baltimore. It was a lot of fun. It was at Turf Valley Country Club, and um, you know, had a, a nice sized room filled with people. And we spoke for you know ninety minutes, two hours on financial planning. The, the name of the class was going from taxable to tax free, and we were highlighting the Secure Act and a lot of the changes that are in the Secure Act. And, and a lot of people actually learned a couple, you know, a handful of things about the Secure Act. But one of the things that they learned is is how there is now a new level of taxation that's going to be levied upon our beneficiaries if they're non-spousal beneficiaries and they meet certain criteria um, um, from our retirement plans. No mm-hmm. longer can we use the lifetime tax advantage stretch option of the IRAs. People, our, our heirs used to be able to stretch it over their lifetime. They can't do that anymore. The accounts have to come out after 10 years, and that's creating a big tax bubble to our heirs down the road. So we highlighted that, went over a handful of ways that people can minimize that exposure uh, to to the level of taxation for their heirs. And uh, had lots of good questions on it all, lots of Q&A on, on the markets, the, the coronavirus, and, and everything like that. So I thought it was a pretty good, uh, pretty good seminar, very good response. As a matter of fact, we're having another one coming up uh, in Haymarket, Virginia, on March 25th at Evergreen Country Club. Uh, so if you're, you know, if you're in the area there and you want to come on out, it starts at uh, 6.30. Uh, there's no cost for the, for the seminar. The meals are complimentary. It's at Evergreen Country Club in Haymarket, Virginia on March 25th. And um, if you're 55 and over and want to understand what's going on in the markets, the economy, taking a look at the SECURE Act. And, you know, when it comes to the SECURE Act, Chris, that, that was just passed, <clears throat> people are still trying to get their head around this. What does this mean? And basically, you know, the the in, the educated investor is now going to quickly come to understand the importance of using the Roth IRA as a planning tool in their financial plan as well as wealth replacement programming using insurance for for their heirs it's going to be vitally important you know uh, you really have to dust off some of these old insurance policies and see what types of programs you have for this money to go to your kids and your grandkids down the road uh, when it, when it comes because of the the level of taxation the secure act is hitting on your retirement dollars, on all of our retirement dollars, when it goes to our kids or their, our grandkids one day. So help help me understand this. I'm a little simple minded when it comes to the, that ten years. So after the ten years, if I've got IRAs 
there's no longer a stretch option. What do I got to do? I got to I got to sell that stuff. Th- think about it this way, Chris. Let's pretend that you're you you receive an inheritance from your mom, okay? okay. And it's IRA money, right? So let's let, so so now you can pull all that money out and pay taxes on it in a lump sum, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, which could, you could lose a lot of money that way, or you could take the money out a little bit each year, you have a required distribution, a minimal amount each year that you have to take out, even though you're under 72, okay, you're, you're receiving a, a, an inherited IRA from a non-spousal beneficiary. So, so the rule used to say that you could take a little bit out and stretch that IRA income out over your life expectancy uh, as long as 82.4 years. Wow. Okay. Now, you can't do that. At the end of 10 years, all of it has to come out. So, so you, you can take 10% out a year for 10 years. You could take nothing out and then take it all out in year 10. You could take half of it out in year 3 and a quarter of it out in year 7. But it all has to be emptied by year 10 so that all that money that you used to be able to stretch over 20, 30, 40 years of your lifetime now has to come out in year 10. So you're losing tax-deferred growth compound interest on a tremendous amount of years and money that no longer is going to exist. Nice. So, so the, when, when the money goes to the next generation or to the kids or the grandkids, whatever, you know, these are your retirement dollars that, that, that are being subject to all this. You know, it used to be you would fill these retirement accounts up and you'd live off of them in retirement. Everything was good. And then the, the, the money would go to your kids and your grandkids, knowing that they had the privilege, the, uh, the ability to take this money and stretch it over their lifetimes, create income streams for themselves for a long, long time to come. Mm-hmm. That's lost because it all has to go back in and become taxable, even Roth IRAs. Oh. Now, the Roth IRA will go to the kids or, or go to the heirs tax-free, but it can't stay in the account longer than 10 years. It has to come back out and go into a new taxable account. So think about the trillions of dollars that, that are inside retirement plans that can't be stretched anymore. Wow, and so that, that opens uh, all kinds of different, uh, I guess, <clears throat> rabbit holes as to what you would do. So I'm guessing is if, if you're going to retire, you're, a, you're an elderly couple, and you've got these IRAs that you want to leave to your children, is there, a, is there a different strategy? You said putting something into a life insurance might be a good way to do that. Or so... So, you know, think about this. If, if you wanted to try and, and, and leave some money tax-free to your children, you know, you can take a little bit out each year and convert it to Roth, and then they can have the money inside the Roth IRA tax-free, right? Okay, okay. Or you can take a little bit of your, your money out each year and purchase, you know, like what we would call a wealth replacement insurance policy, and that policy then would go to your heirs completely tax-free. And so, you know, if you put $5,000 into a Roth, you get $5,000 if, if plus the interest growth. If you put that money into an insurance policy, well, you get a tremendous amount more tax-free. So it just depends on, on what the game plan is, how much you want to leave with the kids and, and all that stuff. But, but by taking away, you know, look, the, the stretch IRA, the lifetime tax advantage stretch IRA was one of the biggest tax benefits of the code. And it's gone now. So we, you know, beneficiaries have 10 years and then the money has to come back out. So we, it's going to change the way people plan to leave dollars to their heirs down the road. I got it. So, so that's some of the highlights, plus a couple of more uh, things on, on with charities and things and how you can, how you can benefit from that standpoint as well. So lots to talk about. It's changing reti- the face of retirement planning. I would say not necessarily retirement planning, but legacy planning. You know, look, it's important that you secure your retirement plan first and then 
look to be tax efficient for money going to the kids and to the grandkids. And, and, you know, this is, this has really changed it a lot. And so we've got to get on top of it and educate people about it. And so we'll be going over all of this, uh, in our seminar on March 25th at, uh, in Haymarket, Virginia. Come on out. Uh, go to my website, LarryRosenthal.com and register right there. Again, LarryRosenthal.com. Register right there. If you're not in the general area, go check it out and, uh, on, on the website. We're going to be looking at doing some electronic programs here coming up sometime later this year in order to, to deliver this material to people all across the country as well. So, hey, Chris, I see we got a couple callers on the line. Give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Let's welcome Robert on the line. Good morning, Robert. How are you today? Hey, good morning. Thanks for taking my call here. Hey, a 49-year-old man, a wife, and a 4-year-old, and I want to know, should I buy into an annuity about $20,000 and then start uh, collecting on that annuity in about 10 to 15 years? Second question, should I buy silver and gold coins to be diversified? So good questions, Robert. And, and, and here's the let, let me let me give you a kind of an, a quick answer to a, to a long question, really. Um, an annuity is an investment vehicle, and the primary investment objective of an annuity is to deliver guaranteed income and take market and economic risk out of the equation for you in most cases. So if you're going to invest in an annuity and you have no other investments, then I'd say be careful. So so. An annuity has pros and cons to it. A stock has pros and cons, and a mutual fund has pros and cons, and all the other investments have pros and cons to them. Before I would tell you, yes, put money into an annuity, I'd want to see what your pension looks like if you have one. I want to take a look at your estimated Social Security down the road, any other savings and investments that you may have. Okay, because an annuity is going to lock that money up for a long, long time to come down the road. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, I have about $200,000 in my Roth IRA. I have about 40000 cash. And then my Social Security, I will get probably about $2,100 a month if I retire at 65. Okay, so have you taken a look at how, um, uh, how much your expenses are going to be? And are you working from a financial plan to see if, how much you need to continue to save? You've got college coming up and things like that. And again, it, it, you know, th- think, think about the annuity from this concept, Robert, okay? Let's suppose that your monthly expenses, just to do math easy here, are, are, are 7000 a month, okay? And your Social Security is going to be 2100 a month. So that I can do math easy here on the air, let's just say it's two grand a month. So now you need a gap of 5000 How much is your Roth IRA and other savings going to grow to to produce that $5,000 a month that you need? Now you can maybe say, you know what, if I take X amount of money and put it into an annuity, that's going to pay me you know, $1,500 a month. So now you've got 3500 coming in of the 7000 that you need. Is the rest of your investments going to sit there and produce for you the other $3,500? That's the way I want you to think about the annuity. There's nothing wrong with taking the annuity at, at, at all. My point is that make sure that all of your dollars aren't tied up into the annuity and if you decide that you want to take an annuity, then here's the thing that I want you to do. Get educated on the different types of annuities that are out there. I actually have a packet I can send you on the different types of annuities. There's basically fixed annuities, 
indexed annuities and variable annuities, and they all function differently. And they all also have, um, some of them have the ability to give you guaranteed minimum income performance riders on them. And I would suggest getting one that has that on there if you're going to purchase an annuity at all. Okay? Okay, perfect. Thank you, sir. Absolutely. If you want, I'll put you on hold, and we'll send you out that information on the different annuity types. Appreciate the phone call. You're listening to Making Money Sense. Give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123. Let's welcome Jeff back on the line from Kansas. Good morning, Jeff. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How can I help you, sir? Well, I'm 64 years old, and I'm retired, and I'm basically living off the income of my retirement. It's split about 50% bonds, 50% mutual funds with the financial group I'm with right now. And I've been looking at doing something better either to get my dividend payments up or to, you know, grow the portfolio over a long over a period of time also. And Fisher Investment came up with a track where they kind of recommend you go all stocks historically, pace better, long term growth, better dividends. And I was just wondering what your thought is on that. Depends on the risk level that you end up with, Jeff. I mean, you can have, if, if you're telling me that you want to have uh, more dividend income, um, but yet you're in a profile right now of 50-50, 50% equities to 50% fixed income or bonds, and now you're looking at another investment that's going to put you in all stock, that completely changes your risk profile. So that's the first question you have to address. And then the next question that you have to address is this, is the S&P 500 is paying about 2.1% in dividends. That's sort of the benchmark or the model that you have to look at. So if your dividends are paying collectively 3 or 5 or 8 or 12%, then you have to take a look at the risk with those underlying investments. You can get stock in publicly traded REITs, that are paying you know, 10, 12, 13% dividend yield. But your principal value is going to jump up and down quite often in that, in that type of an investment. If you're okay with that, then, then you know, let's, let's, let's just do some simple math here. Let's just suppose, we're, you know, we're, we're, let's just do an example of, of $100,000 or a million dollar portfolio, whatever, 10 million, whatever it is, just use the same percentages here in your mind. Let's suppose you put 10% of your money into four or five publicly traded REIT stocks. Those dividends are anywhere today from 10 to 13%. But that but that 10% of your portfolio is going to be bouncing up and down. Okay, you, you, you could get the stock at, at, at $10 a share, and then all of a sudden it could be down to, to nine fifty a share inside three or four months. But if you're saying, well, that doesn't matter to me on paper because I'm using that sleeve of my investments as an income-producing piece, then you're okay with that. But once you start getting into, well, I don't know if I want so much risk, do, do you follow what I mean? Yeah, I do, but you know, you're really not at risk if you don't have to sell any of this REITs or stocks or anything. If you can just ride out long term, you would still be better off, wouldn't you? I would agree with you there. The problem is, is the emotional hit on some of those income-producing things when they are way down. That's the problem. So that's why you have to be very non-emotional and disciplined about it when you take a look at putting that type of a sleeve into your portfolio. And then you can buy some stocks that, that also produce for you you know, a 4 or 5% dividend rate, which gives you less principal volatility. So you can end up with a blended income-producing portfolio that's a little bit higher 
and and still manage the the principal fluctuation, um, e- you know, each and every month and, and things like that. But the bigger question goes back to. You're 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 64 and retired, and you're in a 50/50 portfolio, and now you're looking to move all to stocks. I would question the amount of risk that you're looking to take on there, okay? Because in fixed income, you can still get dividends and bonds. You can get some high yield bond funds that are doing very very nice. So so just take a look at the overall risk that you're looking at. Um, you know, with, with, with it all, there, there's a couple of different philosophies out there, and 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 well, there's many different philosophies on this. But I would say this to you: it's not a matter of if; it's a matter of when the markets will come back. There will come a point, whether it's next year, five years, eight years from now, when the economy starts to contract and go down, and that's when you need to be nimble and move back into a less risky type of a position. So you need some active management on it all. But before you just go buy a whole bunch of different stocks, make sure you understand what the risk is. Ask them, what's the beta on this portfolio? What's my standard deviation on this portfolio? What's my turnover rate on this portfolio uh, when, when, when you take a look at it? And what are your buy and sell decision processes on this portfolio, and then how quick can I move from a, you know an eighty twenty to back to a fifty fifty? That's what I would take a look at. Okay. okay. Well, the other thing I was trying to get—it seems like I'm paying, I'm paying a lot of sales fees and commissions to brokers and stuff. But you know, if I was getting five percent return on my money in dividends, I would be happy with that. But this doesn't seem to be a very realistic number—more like two and a half or three percent. Well, I I, dis, I disagree with you. Then I, I think that we would we would have to take a look at what you're invested in. I, I I don't I don't see that being a you know a huge challenge. Obviously, there's no guarantees on anything. But let me just break out for you, Jeff, in our industry, the way you and I send our money to the stock market. Okay, whether it's a bond fund or a mutual fund or a stock or an ETF or whatever the case may be, somebody has to pay for the cost of the management of the product and to get the money to the exchange of the floor. That's what has to happen. So those are called trading costs or ticket charges. Your advisor is either going to pay for them or you're going to pay for them. That's just all there is to it. And you can negotiate that with the advisor and say, hey, you know, how, how am I going to do this? What, what is the scenario? Then on another note, our industry breaks up their compensation three different ways. And this is what a lot of people don't understand. One way is you can sit down with a financial advisor and he or she can just charge you an hourly rate to give you their recommendations, their unbiased view of what you're doing, and help you and give you advice on what to go do. And then you can go do it yourself online or wherever you want to do it. Okay? The second way people in my industry, in our industry, get paid is through commissions. And if some, if you're working with somebody on commissions, and they have to move your money from point A to point B, and they take a piece through a commission, and then later, if they want to get paid again, they have to move you to another position. Okay. The third way to do this in our industry is what's called. Uh, an asset-based fee, where it's a percent, maybe it's one percent of the account that that's charged, maybe monthly or quarterly. That way, the advisor has an incentive to make money. As as he or she makes money in your account, their compensation grows, and so does yours. And and that way, there's never any conflict or never any questions about when they're buying and selling or moving things around because there's no there's no incentive from that particular standpoint of commission 
pensions and stuff like that. The question just becomes who's going to pay the cost to do the, the, the trades. And most of the time, the, the clients will pay that cost. Thank you very much. You're quite welcome, Jeff. If you want some info, I'll be happy to put you online and put you on hold, and we'll, we'll send you out some info on the different dividends and things of that nature. Appreciate the phone call. You listen to Making Money Sense. Give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123. Let's welcome Bob on the line from Arkansas. Good morning, Bob. How, Bob, how are you? Uh, good. Thank you. How can I help you, sir? Well, I'm uh, one of those unfortunate people that uh, never set anything aside for retirement. I keep telling myself, telling myself when I was younger, I'll do it later, I'll do it later. Well, later never came. And I'm 57 years old. I've got nothing set aside for retirement. And I'm wondering how should I start? What should I do to, to you know, start so that I'm not working until the day that I die? Bob, do you own a home? Uh, no, I am I rent an apartment. I'm a truck driver. I, I only go home one week in a month. And I can't see the point of having a house. Okay. Then, basically, we just need to take a look at this concept. When you own a home, and if the home is paid for, you still have real estate taxes, upkeep, and insurance to cover. But in your case, you don't have that. You're just going to have rent. Either way, you're going to have cash flow required for housing and retirement. So the way that I would take a look at this is, you know, take a look at what your monthly expenses are right now. Then let's go to Social Security and get an estimate on what your Social Security check's going to be. Then let's take a look at what your cash flow scenario is today. Do you have the ability to save any money? And that's where we're going to start at that particular point. Okay? And then we'll, we'll back our way into this. Um, that's the way that, that, that you would go about doing it. That's the answer to your question. Have you looked at what your Social Security estimate is going to be? Do you know how to do that? Uh, yeah, uh, roughly about 3000 a month. Okay, so what's your rent in your apartment now? Uh, about uh, 560 a month. Okay, so you've got some cash flow there on top of rent that can cover some lifestyle and things of that nature. Now we just need to build up uh, some cash. If, do you have the ability to save money each month? Uh, yeah, I can put aside about the uh, $1,000 a month. I'm sorry, how much? About a thousand dollars a month I could save. So let's start doing it. How much do you have in the bank? Uh, right now, about five thousand. All right. Well, let's go ahead and, and build the bank up, maybe uh, for another several months, and then look to open up some mutual funds and get things growing for you. Do you have any debt? Uh, not really. No. So it sounds like you're in a pretty strong cash position right now. Now it's just a matter of, of deciding to save. So so here's kind of an exercise that I would suggest that you do at this particular point, Bob, is just write down for the last few months everywhere that you've spent money and make two columns to the right of it on a piece of paper and say lifestyle choice or absolute need. For example, your rent payment is an absolute need because if you don't make it, you can't live there, right? Right. If you take a look at food, food in the home, food out of the home, we need food, but we don't need to be going out to a fancy restaurant every night each week. Fair enough? Right. Okay. So just list out everywhere that you've spent money and then take a look at going, you know what? Some of this stuff's lifestyle. I can maybe 
temporarily suspend a couple of spending items this the next few months and save that money. But if you if you have the ability to start saving dollars right now, let's build up the bank uh, for another several months, and then after that, then let's open up some mutual funds and get you start saving for yourself down the road. Whether it's in a Roth IRA, or traditional IRA, or just regular regular investments there. But sounds like to me you're you're in not that bad of a of, of a scenario. If you'd like, I'll be happy to send you out our financial planning toolkit, and that'll so, sort of draw the line in, in the sand and, and address the question of hey, here's where I am today. This is where I want to be down the road, and how we go about getting there. Kind of some of the things that I just described to you. Okay, yeah. You listen to Making Money Sense, Larry Rosenthal Show. Go ahead and give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Back in a moment with more Making Money Sense. You are listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. And here's another Money Minute with Larry Rosenthal. Proper financial planning starts with a firm foundation. Don't jump up to the third rung of the ladder when you're trying to climb to the top of the roof. Make sure your insurance is aligned properly. Make sure you have the right types of homeowners, auto, umbrella, disability, long-term care, life insurance, just to name a few. Financial planning starts with a firm foundation, and that foundation is your insurance. Then take a look at your cash flow. Are you able to save money? Save it in the proper places. Retirement planning, traditional IRAs, traditional 401k plans, Roth IRAs. Make sure that the dollars are actually working for you towards your investment objectives. You're listening to the Larry Rosenthal Show, 855-767-3123. That's 855-ROSE-123. You can call us with any of your questions here this morning. Larry Rosenthal is in studio, as he always is, at this time of the morning on a Saturday morning. So we're glad to have you here. Go ahead, Larry. You're up. Good morning, Robert. How are you today? Hey, doing good. Thanks for taking my call. I want to know if I should keep on buying some silver coins and gold coins, if that's a good idea or a bad idea to help uh, diversify my portfolio. Robert, coins, metals are an asset class. There's no doubt about it, and they do provide diversification. Um, so one of the problems with it is you can't really model it because they don't pay a dividend. So some people buy the, the coins because they're collectors, and there's nothing wrong with that. Okay, um, Other people buy the coins because they think it's doom and gloom out there. Um, and then other people buy the coins because they they like them, and and at some point they realize, you know what? If if the if the if the metal goes up, then then I'm going to one day sell it and then turn it back into greenbacks, and and I'll make some money on it. So, what's your objective with it? You know, I, I've got some good friends of mine that that buy coins and they collect them. Um, you know, that it's gold and silver; it's going up in value, but their primary objective is collecting uh, on them. Whereas other people are trying to 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 make money on it, and and other people again are are, are concerned of of whatever they're concerned about. So, what's your objective with it? I'm concerned with the amount of debt that this country has, and I'm concerned about inflation. I'm concerned about my dollar as what America's going to do with the you know dollar falling eventually. 
over time. Uh, and I thought that maybe silver might be a good way to not lose money, but still buy some silver and go up. Hopefully, silver goes up like you know twenty five dollars. So, uh, Robert, I'm losing you there a little bit. I did hear you say that you're concerned about inflation and and gold is a good hedge against inflation. No doubt about that. Uh, same, same with silver. Uh, we don't see much inflation going on right now. So we'll have to wait and see what's, what's going to happen here. Uh, as far as the dollar coming down, the dollar goes up and down, and that's a function of supply, basically. It's a function of what the Fed's doing with interest rates. You know, when, when the Fed raises rates, it strengthens your currency. When the Fed lowers rates, it reduces the value of your currency on, on the world stage. Um, you know, one of the issues, though, too, is, is you can have a dollar gold piece and and it could be worth you know fourteen hundred bucks because it's an ounce. When you take it to the store, you're still only going to get a dollar's worth of goods for it. So so that is one one concern when 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 you take a look at it from that perspective. You'll always have to turn it back into greenbacks as, as well in order to do that. Another another way to go about getting. Um, uh, the asset class is in an ETF because an ETF will buy the actual spot price of gold and you can get in and out of it much, much less expensive and much, much quicker than you can actually buying the coin. Chris, this all goes to, to diversification. You know, the, the one of the rules is when you introduce an additional asset class into your portfolio, just by definition you're reducing your risk because you're spreading it around more and more into different asset classes. The problem that we have today is most asset classes, I say most, not all, are going up and down together. You know, good news, everything's going up. Bad news, everything's coming down, right? And then some months of the year, good news, everything's going down. Bad news, everything's going up because people are anticipating what the Fed's going to do. So you got to kind of understand the game here, what's, what's basically happening with it all. So, so you know, uh, I'm a big fan of product diversification, asset allocation, which is what the caller was just talking about, as well as tax allocation. When we sit down and, dev- and design investment portfolios for clients, those are the three pillars that you really want to take a look at doing. And most people have only heard about diversification from an asset standpoint, not product and not tax. So let's break this down a little bit and, and talk about it. We were talking about the product diversification a little bit earlier on the show this morning with one of the callers. You know, what is the difference, the advantage of having mutual funds and ETFs? What about UITs, bonds, annuities? All these products have pros and cons to them. Then take a look at what's the strategy involved with your your decisions. Are are, are you going to have a passive investment strategy or an active investment strategy? Is it going to be a tactical one or a strategic one when you rebalance? What is the buy and sell decision process? That's one of the most when when somebody comes into our offices and they ask us, you know, they're they're sort of kicking the tires and wanting to get to know us a little bit and 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 say, you know, is there anything else I should ask? What, what how do I interview a financial advisor? And one of the questions that I always tell people is, you should ask us what what our buy and sell process is. You know, ask your advisors, how do you make decisions on buying and selling? You're managing my money. What is your process? They should be able to show it to you right then and there, demonstrate to you what they do, what they look at, 
how they go about making these decisions and what their process is. Uh, if, if they can't do that, then you know you might want to ask them, hey, what what's really going on behind the green curtain as far as all that goes? So I'd like to see uh, what the response would be if you asked exactly that question. What's going on behind your curtain, there, buddy? You know. Well, yeah, exactly, Chris. I've I've taught many. You know, when I, I've I've spoken all over the country to financial advisors about portfolio construction, about how to go about making buy and sell decision processes, what you take a look at, and and everybody's got a a different process, a different tilt or a different slant, a different bias towards the different economic pieces of data that they look at, and that's fine too, as long as there's a process in place. And are you following that process? That's what the deal is. That's what you have to really are, ask. Are you asking for the secret sauce, for the, the, the Kentucky Fried Chicken recipe when you do that? or? Uh, you know, maybe yes and no, but but you just want to be able to show somebody, hey, I do have a process, and yeah. here's what it is, yeah, yeah. and this is how we go about doing it, and 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 that's fine. Uh, versus going, uh, I, you know, um, yeah, yeah. This well. is, I don't know how I do it. I, I just sort of roll the dice, and here's no, you, you don't you don't want to to yeah. do that. And I'm not saying that that happens a lot, but that is a question that that uh, is is kind of cool to ask. You know, what is your buy sell decision process? How do you go about doing all of that? So it's important to to really understand it when you're working with an advisor on on all of that stuff so well amen to that larry let's uh let's take a quick break here you are listening to the larry rosenthal show making money sense we'll be back with more of larry rosenthal and your phone calls at 855-767-3123 855-ROSE-123 back in a moment with more of the larry rosenthal show So many different ways to invest money. Lump sum deposits, buy and hold, market timing. How about dollar cost averaging? Put the same amount of money into the same investment at every interval, whether it's monthly, quarterly, annually, whatever it may be. This gives you the greatest opportunity to get the average price over the long term of the investment because one of the secrets to creating wealth is the acquisition of shares. You want to keep buying more and more shares over time. On the flip side, when you're in your retirement years and you want to distribute dollars to yourself for income, do the same thing in reverse. Dollar cost average out during your retirement years. Nationwide on Sirius XM 131 and on WAVA in the Washington, D.C. area, you're listening to The Larry Rosenthal Show, 855-767-3123. Larry. You know, one of the things that I wanted to talk about this week, Chris, was one of the largest, or actually two of the largest financial decisions that people have to make in their life when it comes to retirement planning. And and one of them is, is how do you elect your pension if you're blessed enough to have one? And then the other one is when to take Social Security income. These are two very big um, uh, issues when it comes to retirement planning and, you know, for, for your income in, in retirement. Let's take a look first of all at the pensions. You know, sometimes when people get a pension plan, that you might get, let's say, three thousand dollars a month. Okay, but if you were to die, you get your heirs get your your spouse gets nothing. So maybe they reduce it down to say twenty five hundred dollars a month, and then if you were to pass, your spouse might get, you know, half of that twelve hundred and fifty dollars a month. Or they might reduce you down to $2,000 a month, and if you die, your spouse might get $2,000 a month. Mm -hmm. So these are big financial decisions, and a lot of people, you know, 
not as many as in the past, but there's still a number of people that have these types of pensions that are getting ready to retire. When you're looking to make these pension selections, it's important to sit down with an advisor who really understands all the options, all the solutions, and can spreadsheet them for you. It can be very confusing, and it is one of your largest financial you know, decisions. What happens if you decide to take you know, a survivor benefit and both of you pass away early in, in, in retirement years? There's a lot of money left on the table that the family doesn't get. You know, how do you how do you combat that? What happens if your spouse predeceases you? Do you have like a pop-up provision where you can get back to the higher option? So several different choices on all of this and and it's important to really stop and take a, you know, a, a good look and do some math on it. So just a little bit of a of a word to the wise out there. In addition to that, another big financial decision that a lot of people make and oftentimes mess up is when to start claiming their Social Security? When should you take the Social Security? You know, if, should you take it at 62 at your normal retirement age, say 66 or 67 or 65, or, or should you wait to take it to 70? What, what's right for you? When should you take it? And, and that really needs to be figured out inside of a financial plan. There's just no two ways around figuring out when you should take your Social Security if you don't have it baked into a financial plan. That financial plan is really going to analyze your taxes. It's going to analyze, <clears throat> excuse me, your investment interest income that you're going to be pulling out if, if you have that. You know, it's going to analyze all different types of scenarios, how much cash flow you need each and every month, and when you should be taking Social Security. So taking Social Security is another one of your major financial decisions, your pension election and when to claim Social Security. You know, if you're working, uh, let's suppose you're, you're 64 years old and you're working and you're making more than, than the cutoff, you know, around seventeen, eighteen thousand dollars $18,000 a year, then you have to start paying back some of your Social Security money. And that's not fun by any means at all. So sit down with an advisor, run through all of this. You know, when you're 61, 62 years old, you should be sitting with your financial planner talking about your social security maximizing strategy. Uh, There's software out there all over the industry that can help you make these decisions. Talk to your advisor. If if you don't have one and you want to take a look at it, we have packets of information on how best to figure out your social security. Go to my website. You know, shoot us off an email, LarryRosenthal.com. Shoot us off an email at, at, at the info box, and we'll be happy to, to send you out all the information on these two things. But, Chris, we've seen time and time again people sort of just guessing and, and sometimes taking the wrong solution for their needs on Social Security or their pension. So, so let's make sure that we get it done right. We like to provide financial education on the show. Visit our website, LarryRosenthal.com. Check out our archives of libraries, our past shows. That's what we want to do is want to sort of be a center for financial education for everybody. The, the country needs it. There's no doubt about it. So you know, in the, in the financial planning toolkit that you guys provide, does it also contain a section on figuring out how much your Social Security is going to be or, or what you think it might be? Well, the toolkit actually figures that it, it gathers the data on income, years worked, and that kind of stuff, okay. and then we would plug it in to, to figure it all out. But, you know, there's no better source than going right to the horse's mouth, Social Security, you know, ssa.gov, and, and register there and pull down your own statement. And then you'll know exactly what you're, what you're on pace for, and then you can plug that into your cash flow analysis, your financial plan. So that's not hard to do. Just go to the ssa.gov and register, and boom, there you got it. Well, for most people, that's still the, one of their largest largest forms of income in their retirement, isn't it, at this point? It is. It is. You know, but a lot of people laugh at Social Security. You know, oh, yeah, well, I'm going to get my Social Security. Well, you know what? It does make up 
in some cases, a good chunk of income for a lot of people. You know, there, there, there's nothing wrong with, you know, $1,500, $2,500 each month coming in. It's a lot better than a sharp stick in the eye, right? <laughs> yeah, amen. You know, yeah. so, 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 yeah, so, so take a look at this. You know, you, you've got a, a, an opportunity to collect and make sure you got a cash flow plan in place for it all without a doubt, you know, with, without a doubt, you know, and let's keep this whole money thing in, in perspective too. You know, I know there's a lot of worry and a lot of anxiety with the markets reeling the way they have right now, but you know, the Lord's pretty clear. We can't serve two masters. We either love one and hate the other or despise one and, 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 um, uh, work for the other. So, you know, we've got to put the Lord first before all of this. It's his assets. Let's be good stewards with it all and do our best, our, our, our educational best when it comes to uh, investing monies, making financial planning and investment decisions. You know, how are we using, you know, the question I talked about this a couple of weeks ago or so, the, the question really isn't, you know, um, uh, you know, am I managing my money correctly, you know, to get the best money? You know, the, the question really needs to be, or the most money, excuse me, the question really needs to be, am I managing my money, my assets in a way that's benefiting my life with my family and friends? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, don't let the money manage you, but you need to manage the money, be good stewards with it. And the best way to do that is understand who owns it and what our role is with it. And it's the Lord's, everything is, and we need to use it to, to his glory and benefit. So, so would that be a way of kind of saying that um, let's act on our faith and let our faith kind of take our worry away from um, money, but yet still be a good uh, good steward and plan and do the best we can with what we have, and then let the Lord just kind of take care of the rest of it the best we can. I mean, worrying over money doesn't usually help much, right? No, I mean, Chris, you know, we're we're fallen, right? We're not right. perfect, right? No, you know, right. The, the Bible says, "Be holy, just as the Lord is holy." We can't. That's why we need Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. And and worry is part of life, although we try not to. And when you feel that worry coming in, make sure you focus some prayer time and give it to the Lord. Uh, but you know, education also is smart too. You know, Proverbs talks about getting wise counsel when it when it comes to all of this. You know, ask a few people, get some opinions on it all. And and one of the problems that we have here in in this particular industry, in my opinion, is you know we have we have assets that the Lord has given us income and retirement plans and 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 bank accounts and real estate and cars and all that kind of stuff and and when it comes to money and investing now we have to use what the Lord's given us in man's tools we have to figure out you know should we put this money into an IRA or not should we buy an open end or a closed end mutual fund should we put it into a Roth or pre tax mm-hmm. what should we do and that's where we need to get educated on all of this. Worry can come in when you're doing something and you're not too sure about it, right? So let's get yeah. some financial education, sit down and make some good decisions, pray it up to the Lord. That's the way that I would go about doing it. When Chris. you are prepared, you shall not fear, as they say, right? That's the thing. Be prepared and take good counsel and do your best and, and let everything else kind of land where it will, I guess. Yep, I guess so, sir. Hey, I see we've got to take a quick break, but before we do so, just want to run by that seminar again coming up on March 25th in Haymarket, Virginia at Evergreen Country Club. Uh, the, the class starts at 6.30, goes to about 8, 8.15 or so. There's no cost for the seminar, and the meals are complimentary. If you're 55 and over and want to come on out and understand what's going on in the markets, the economy, take a look at the highlights of the SECURE Act, understand how we can 
better now or, or, or how we have to sort of navigate the taxation when it comes to giving uh, inheritance to our heirs from retirement plan dollars, uh, come on out. We'll be happy to, to, to uh, have you there. The seats are uh, fill up fast. So go to my website, LarryRosenthal.com. Click on the seminar button and go ahead and register, or you can just give us a call at 855-ROSE-123, 855-767-3123. Well, Larry, looking at the clock, we're kind of running out of time, but I see you're kind of busy there with your phone, too. So uh, I guess... <laughs> yes. Yeah, that phone can rule our lives, right? You're going to get a crick in your neck. Don't fall into seeing one of those holes going down the road. No worries. Don't <laughs> worry. Well, uh, appreciate everyone listening. We'll be back next Saturday with another session of the Larry Rosenthal Show, Making Money Sense. So for Bob in the back and Chris McKay, I'm Larry Rosenthal. Have a wonderful week. We'll be back next Saturday with more... Making Money Sense.